Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PsychOp Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. Before we get started with this episode, I want to thank all the state DOTs out there that support PSYCOP, Ashto's Winter Maintenance Technical Service Program. The voluntary contribution of $4,000 a year to help sustain the PSYCOP Technical Service Program allows us to work on a variety of projects that keeps us moving forward in fulfilling the work program laid out in our three-year strategic plan. You can learn more about PSYCOP from our website at www.psychop.transportation.org. Every January, the Transportation Research Board conducts their annual meeting in Washington, D.C., and it draws thousands of transportation professionals from around the world to compare notes and share their work. Between the poster sessions, presentations and workshops, committee meetings, along with a lot of networking, the TRB annual meeting is total immersion into specific areas of transportation. Unfortunately, many practitioners don't get the opportunity to attend and learn about some of the cutting-edge research and deployments that are happening. So PSYCOP is going to talk winter ops with a few of the presenters that made presentations at the TRB annual meeting this year. On this episode of PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, we're going to be visiting with Rachel Larson and Dr. Mohammed Ahmed of the University of Wyoming on a recently completed project that was presented at the TRB annual meeting last January. This presentation looked at the safety effectiveness of several types of snow fence commonly used across Wyoming based on vehicle crashes. This presentation at TRB was especially good, and we wanted you to hear about this work firsthand. Let's listen in as PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops with Rachel Larson and Dr. Mohammed Ahmed. We're at TRB uh, this past January, and... Uh, heard some outstanding uh, presentations uh, in winter maintenance, and, and Rachel, yours was one of them. You uh, you presented a paper on the safety effectiveness of, of snow fence. I did. It was a great opportunity to present what I've been working on. So how long have you been a, a graduate research assistant there at the University of Wyoming? Uh, so I've actually so I've been a full time graduate student for over a year, uh, but the university has this great program where they actually let you start working on your master's degree in your undergrad, and I got into that program. So I've technically been a graduate student for two years, but a full time one for over a year. And and what got you interested in in safety and snow fence? I. So I've been living in Wyoming for about for almost six years now, and uh, I-80 has a lot of blowing snow on it, and it's very obvious when you're driving in a storm, I would say, that the snow fences are helping keep the conditions a little better on the roads, and so I got really interested in that, and when Dr. Ahmed approached me asking if I wanted to get involved and start doing more research into snow fences, I was completely on board and being like, yeah, let's figure out what's going on with these. Wyoming experiences the most blowing snow in comparison to uh, anywhere else in the U.S. Uh, So it's the place to do all the research in the U.S. on snow fences because we experience so much. Um, And Mr. Dr. Tabler, he uh, he was a leading researcher in snow fences, and he actually had a consulting firm in Colorado and would come up to Wyoming and work with YDOT often to uh, do research on snow fences to get 
a lot more information out there. And a lot of his models that he produced and a lot of the information that he found is still used today, even though some of his research is, I think his last paper was put out about 10 years ago. You know, Wyoming and snow fence are kind of, uh, they're synonymous, right? And and I think, um, you know, one of the thing with, with this drifting snow condition is just because it's not snowing doesn't mean you don't have issues with with blowing snow right right so how does why does it how does the snow fence work i mean how, it, it, could you explain a little bit why this having this fence out in the middle of the field keeps the snow off the highway so snow fences uh disrupt wind patterns so when we put the snow fence in the middle of this random field it's not usually random uh but it disturbs the wind pattern so then instead of it just constantly picking up speed, picking up snow, and then carrying it onto the roadway, the snow fence block, stops that pattern and, and creates a spiral effect behind it and in front of the snow fence. So it ends up taking the snow that's carried by the wind and dumping it in front and behind the snow fence. Okay. So and, it basically it, 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 it gets it all confused and uh, it stops before it ever gets to the highway. It stops most of it, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you in, in your paper, when you presented it, uh, you had some really interesting statistics about uh, the cost of, of uh, delays and, and crashes, partic- you know, specifically there to Wyoming. Uh, those were some pretty big numbers. Yeah. Um, so Wyoming is one of the places, uh, is one of the three locations where the connected vehicle pilot project is being conducted. And because of that project, they were able to estimate that uh, the cost to society in Wyoming in one year, which was 2016, um, was over $850 million just because of crashes in Wyoming. Now, that that was a number that came out of the CV pilot, right? Yes. And, and when we're talking about, about crashes, I mean, there's um there's uh you know total crashes and there's there's property and then there's also fatalities and and injuries um in your your work you were able to look at some like before and some after uh numbers so um the way the safety effectiveness evaluation for countermeasures or safety countermeasure is done usually you look in into before the before crashes, like the frequency and the severity of crashes, and the before deployment of a countermeasure, and the countermeasure for uh, this study specifically is snow fences. And then you look also in the after period, like what happened after deploying or implementing that specific countermeasure. So in case of snow fences, we need also to account for other factors, because perhaps in the before period we had harsher winters, more snow, and then in the after we have maybe milder winters. So we need to account for that as well when we do the before-after studies. That's why uh, Rachel specifically used a well-known and acceptable technique, which is the uh, before-after with empirical base. And I don't want to talk a lot of jargon here, but it's very well-known, acceptable methodology to assess the effectiveness of a countermeasure using data in the before and after while accounting for other confounding factors or contributing factors such as the severity of the weather, the traffic on the roadway, 
the roadway conditions as well. That sort of brings up uh, another question. H- how does this work get started? Um, usually the, the University of Wyoming works closely to the Wyoming DOT to provide support. And you know that resources here in Wyoming is somehow limited. So we are trying to help the Wyoming DOT to allocate resources, the limited resources, uh, while they they, they should be allocated. We actually, this is part of a bigger project when we're trying to help the Wyoming DOT to assess the safety effectiveness of not only snow fences, but also other safety countermeasures. So this will help the Wyoming DET to deploy that specific countermeasure that actually works. So instead of going putting a countermeasure that will not help in reducing crashes and their severity, they can allocate those resources where they should be allocated. So we have about maybe 20 countermeasures that we were looking into, including like adding passing lanes, adding climbing lanes, adding snow fences, rumble strips, among other countermeasures. So we usually approach the Wyoming DET with a proposal, a research proposal, and we tell them, okay, in order for us to help you identify those countermeasures that will really work, here is a proposal, and then if it's approved, they fund us, and then we can hire students to work on those research projects. Okay, and and I'm sure there's there's a close relationship that occurs through the through this whole process between between the DOT staff and and uh, your researchers. Yes, it's it's almost always guided by the Wyoming DOT research uh, staff, and they have also like a research advisory committee where they sometimes they would tell us like we have this issue we're dealing with. Can you put a research proposal together? to help us identify and address this specific issue. And that's where we work. It's actually it's a two-way communication. It's not one way. Right. And and so these, these tend to be very practically oriented uh projects because it's they're they're addressing needs that the that the DOT has. Exactly. What were the results? Uh, so for my study, we looked at three different snow fence types and then also conducted uh, an analysis of all the snow fences working together because they're not implemented just one type in one area. They're overlapping a lot of times um, when they're placed. But we found that they help reduce fatal and injury crashes quite a bit, which is very important, especially in winter conditions because sometimes since uh, Wyoming has more of a rule is more of a rural state, it's harder for emergency response teams to get to crash victims. And so when um, a crash occurs and we're reducing the severity of it, that's increasing the safety of the roadway. The study that, that you all conducted, it, it had some pretty, pretty significant numbers associated with those reductions, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, We found that uh, vertical snow fences, so they're completely vertical in the ground. They're usually embedded about eight feet into the ground as well. Uh, They can reduce uh, fatal and injury crashes almost up to 70%. Well, that is is really significant. Yeah. So that was like the the most effective or you you looked at a you looked at a couple of a couple, three different types of snow fence, right? 
Yes, uh, we looked at Wyoming snow fences, which tend to be set at an angle, and then laid snow fences, which are uh, they're little fences that are about four feet tall that are rolled up wooden slates that are rolled out onto um, onto some rebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are usually used, the laid snow fences are usually used to help with near snow. So sometimes uh, when blowing snow is collected by snow fences, larger snow fences, laid snow fences are set up behind those bigger structures to collect the snow that might still blow from the collected snow because it hasn't had time to solidify into one pile yet. Okay. And and when we're talking about the height of these things, there's there's like a design criteria about how far away it has to be from the road, right? Yes. Uh, so snow fences can collect up to 35 times the height of the snow fence. So they tend to need a lot of space behind them. And snow fences tend to be 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. That That's kind of the golden rule that, that uh, Dr. Tabler came up with, right? This 35H thing. Um, however high your snow fence is, you need to be 35 times that away from the highway? Yeah, and then you also need to make sure that you're accounting for space in front of the snow fence as well because snow fences collect snow behind and in front of them. So you need at least 15 times the height as well in front of it. I see. So so really, snow fence, like, they're, they're not like for everybody, right? I mean, that's a, Wyoming's an ideal spot for them because you've got plenty of of open space around the highway but in more congested areas maybe some other mitigation might be necessary huh so they've uh so wyoming has been using wyoming and vertical and laid snow fences quite a bit laid snow fences can also be used quite a bit in uh areas that have more like a higher population um because they're less invasive uh-huh. uh but they are also have been living snow fences that are being implemented that tend to be more environmentally friendly, and people tend to like having those in urban, uh, more urban settings okay. more than just structure. So, do, do y'all have much living snow fence in Wyoming, or are they mostly these hard structures? We have about four locations where they uh, implemented living snow fences, and it's really hard to get information on them because we're not able to track their height as much as we'd want to. And so we don't have a lot of data on that, unfortunately. I see. It would be really interesting to, to hear for the, the, like the total crashes and, and the injuries, just what kind of range of, of effectiveness, safety effectiveness did you get for those snow fences? I, so there is a range, and it depends the snow fence type. Sorry, I'm trying to find the table with more numbers on it. So when I ran my analysis, we we didn't find any negative numbers saying that snow fences were causing more crashes. Uh, all the numbers that we found was it was at least 20% effective to 70% effective, depending the type and also the condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we found that... Um, vertical snow fences helped the most with uh, fatal and injury crashes, whereas laid snow fences helped reduce the most PDO crashes. Now, do you think that's um, just uh, sort of a function of where they where they were installed, or 
Yes, and then it's also more of their purpose as well because lathe snow fences are used more to collect the near snow. So it's not going to be collecting um, snow at higher speeds as well. So it's just acting as a second barrier to the bigger snow fence. Okay. Well, so I guess the the conclusion to this whole thing, the the, the message is, if you've got room to put snow fence in and you've got blowing snow conditions, uh, there's a huge safety benefit associated with that. I agree. Um, But we also suggest that um, a a benefit cost analysis be ran before as well, because snow fences can end up being pretty expensive as well, depending the type. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, lathe snow fences tend to cost about $50 to implement, depending the stretch. And then uh, Wyoming snow fences, which are those angled ones, uh, tend to be $35 per pound. And then vertical snow fences tend to cost $50 per pound. Uh, when you say per pound, are we talking about pound of material, pound of snow? Pound of material. Okay. And they tend to, and like we said, they're... Tw- 12-foot-tall structures. Sometimes they're made of wood. They're made of metal. Um, they also are made of uh, poly rails. Sometimes they have... Uh, and then with, like, the vertical snow fences, they have to embed down into the ground, and then they usually use concrete to set that. Mm-hmm. So that can get pretty expensive pretty fast. I see. So so what's next? This project that you presented at TRB was like a, a small piece of a, of a larger project. What, what's, what's next on the horizon? What, what are you working on uh, to carry this forward? Uh, so the next aspect that I'm working on is, about snow fences specifically is uh, looking at more of where they're being implemented and where the best place to implement them are, uh, like in mountainous terrain or rolling terrain or flat terrain. Uh, rather than just looking at the type. So that's that's what's next for me with the snow fence study. Um, but we're still running a lot of those crash modification factors or other countermeasures as well in Wyoming. So we're running a lot of those analyses, analyses continuously. Okay. Well, it sounds like um, you've got your work cut out for you here for a little while anyway. <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, I want to thank you, uh, you both, for being on PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. This, like I say, this was some some really interesting work, and um, I think it's important that that we share this uh, with the the broader winter maintenance community. Um, I think a lot of times, folks, when they talk about snow fence, they they just go so go and throw some up just because they they think it's the right thing to do, and and to be able to quantify the the benefits uh, of this particular mitigation strategy is is really important yeah actually that's another point that it was not discussed during the trb presentation because the snow fences are not only helping with reducing crashes but also helping with winter maintenance so actually uh, snow fences block snow before they get to the road so actually they reduce the amount of maintenance needed and snow removal on the roadways so that's another benefit that should be also included in the analysis. Any snow that doesn't end up on the on the road is snow you don't have to remove from the road. Exactly. Well, well, again, thanks so much for for uh, being on Psychop Talks Winter Ops, and um, 
for all of our listeners out there, thanks for listening in. And until next time, be safe. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you.